The following program is a PBS Wisconsin original production. Hi, I'm Angela Fitzgerald, and this is Why Race Matters. Black artists have been the driving force behind popular trends worldwide for decades. Before the COVID-19 pandemic, Forbes magazine reported that R&B and hip hop could generate a total of $130 billion in profit by the year 2030. But what happens when society supports the art, but not the communities responsible for creating it? On this episode of Why Race Matters, I'll talk with Papa Kobina Brewu, a local dance artist and instructor about their experience as a Black artist. We'll discuss art exploitation, cultural appropriation, and how art helps shape our lives. So join me as we explore why race matters when it comes to art. Well, thank you for joining us today, Papa Komina. Thank you for having me. So can you tell us your story? Like what has brought you to this place where you now identify as an artist and in the work that you do? Well, my story started back home in West Africa, uh, born and raised in Accra, um, about seven years old was when um, my mom or parents, uh, specifically more so my mom, uh, made the decision to uh, bring me and my siblings, uh, the rest of the family over here, uh, mainly due to uh, the idea that, um, well, originally I didn't actually know this myself, uh, but my dad was uh, in, the, in Madison, uh, in the US, going to school, pursuing his passion, pursuing his career. And it was the, that idea where, my mom wanted to have more support for him and provide more of that for him, where it took that opportunity to bring us to a whole different country, a continent. Um, so that in itself is where it kind of started. Um, throughout the years upon moving here, uh, uh, going into the cultural change. Um, I was going to ask, what people. was that like? That was... <laughs> Because it's like a climate change, climate a demographic change, change, like lots of changes. A lot of changes. Mm -hmm. And it was, at first, it was, I don't, I don't want to say it was too difficult. It was just different. It was just uh, getting accustomed to um, the weather, of course, was the <laughs> hardest part. Mm -hmm. I actually remember crying. Oh, wow. <laughs> My first snowfall. The first snowfall that we had. I cried because I didn't, my parents, our parents didn't warn us oh, about, so you didn't know what it was. I had no idea what oh, snow was. Wow. So when it snowed, <laughs> I was, I was crying. I literally remember tears coming down my eyes because it was so cold when I touched the snow. <laughs> I was like, why is, what is this white, wet <laughs> stuff? Why is it so cold? Why is it so, why, why, what, why are people throwing it at people and stuff like that? And, <laughs> Eventually, our parents told us that the seasons change and this is the what to expect when it comes around this time of year, around like September going into our November our time. Um, but weather, getting used to that. I'm so not used to Madison weather. Wow. You've been here since? <laughs> I've been here since 2001. Wow. So 2001. Almost, almost 20 years. And you're like, I'm still. And I'm still not used to this. <laughs> okay. I don't think I will get used to it, mainly just because it's always fluctuating. You have an idea and the concept of how the weather is going to be for the four seasons, but you never know. Wisconsin is like a hit or miss or something like that. I mean, I can relate. That's why I'm wearing a scarf now. Some people are wearing t-shirts. Like I have not yet acclimated <laughs> I myself. So. I, I see people wearing shorts. I'm like, how... 
how are you wearing shorts right now? It's snowing. Nah, you need, nah, I'm good. I'm not doing that. Um, but accustomed to the weather was was different. It took time, but still not used to it. But I'm, I'm getting used to it. Um, the cultural ex- experience very different of how um, well big thing parents to child uh, concept. Um, uh, in middle school, I remember a moment I had a friend, a couple of friends where. I'll be, I'll go to a friend's house, for example, uh, for homework or just for a, a gathering or whatnot. And I remember just the uh, kind of like a weird disrespect between the parent and the child, uh, where, I mean, if you talk to your parents, <laughs> if you, back home, you talk to your parents, you get in trouble for that. But here it kind of like seems like it's okay to do that. So that cultural, that scene that was, weird to me where it didn't make sense like that's that's your mom why are you talking to your mom or your dad like that because when you went home it was like oh, no. i don't care that we're in madison oh, now no. this is still how this our is still dynamic how, is going to be this is what's going to be you're going to okay. listen you're going to pay attention mm-hmm. or you want to spank it okay because mm-hmm. oh, you can talk to me <laughs> like that that but um that in itself was also like one experience that kind of like took time getting used to because back home you have to have the utmost respect for the others that's uh that's just a culture thing that you have um but i feel like that also kind of like in a way can limit sometimes because then it puts the perspective that the parent is the all knowing and that they're never wrong which isn't always right (laughs) so that perspective in that sense uh Balancing that out within my own self and my own experiences and seeing that with other experiences was something I had to get used to. Um, uh, culture in the sense of arts was a little bit different here. Uh, and getting even getting into the arts as how I am now was also in its own way, kind of its own journey. Because I didn't, I never really, I didn't, I wasn't into arts until high school. I wasn't into, uh, dancing specifically until high school. When I moved here, I was one of those quiet kids. I was a shy kid. I, I barely had any friends, barely talked to that many people. I, was, I stuck to myself and my siblings. Um, and it was actually through dance around the middle, my middle school year, eighth grade year, I actually remember this, eighth grade year, um, around, I wanna say January, March, around May, June, before school was ending. I remember after school, uh, my friends and I, we, we had this hangout spot uh, after class that we would hang out in the hallways. And I remember one of my friends showing me these, uh, these dance moves because they just had, uh, done, uh, just got back from dance practice. And they were showing me these moves where they were practicing these moves. And I was asking them like, yo, what is, what is that? What, what are you doing? They're like, oh, this is the heel toe. Oh, oh, or like this is I the this like the, this the um uh, the the what's that the Batman mm-hmm. like it was like a trendy move or trendy dance that was going on around that time, and I was asking all these questions. I was like, I've never seen anything like that before. Um, a little back, a uh, little history before that. I used to do African dance. I mean, a lot of tribal dances uh, before actually going into the depths of what the different dance styles I could learn here, like hip hop, uh, crump, breaking, popping, locking, um, light feeding, et cetera, et cetera. Before I even got into that world of opportunities of different movements, it was more just tribal African dances. So fast forward, 
uh, eighth grade, one of my friends showed me those moves. I was like, whoa, what is, I've never seen right. this before, but it looks familiar in a way just because of like the movements, like of like the body language of what they're using, like mm. the hips and their knees and whatnot. Cause there's still some origins back to forms of dance that you had done before. Exactly. And that's actually one of the things I teach now where I try to bring the idea of history and culture where these History and culture is very important to move forward and prepare for the future. If you don't know the history, we, you can't prepare for you, you can't, at least for me, it's hard to prepare and move forward if you don't know what happened or you don't know where you come from. And when you know where you come from, it allows you to stay present so you can push forward and make the right decisions. Even if they are decisions that bring you back, you're still making decisions to learn to get to the point where you need to get to. Um, but Fast forward, and I, it's one of those things where I teach about where these uh, body awareness are coming from, what, what, the, what the movement is. Why, why are you using your hips? Why are you using your knees? Why are you incorporating your torso and your, and your hip to, to make this specific motion, this move? And that all ties to African movement. Uh, in the different tribes on the western and southern area, you have like the Akan Igbo, Agbar and uh, some of the South African tribes that contributed to those type of movements to dance. Um, so like watching that, I was like, yo, that I've seen this before. Right. This is familiar. This is familiar, mm -hmm. but it's, it's a different, different modernization of it. Mm -hmm. So learning those moves and it just intrigued me. I was just like, oh, this is this is something cool I could just add to my uh, uh, artillery, my repertoire of right. movements I can do. So they taught me my, the heel toe. I learned the Batman. I learned the Crip Walk. I learned a couple moves. I learned the Top Rock. And ever since that day, ever since that going to that summer, my life changed. It, so this was like eighth grade, you're saying? Eighth grade. Is when your life changed. Eighth grade summer, mm -hmm. going into my freshman year. That completely changed my whole life. It opened me up. It turned me from that shy, introverted kid into the extrovert kid. That because you tapped into the I dance. tapped into something that allowed me to speak in multiple different ways. Whether it was vocally, physically, even mentally in a way for myself or for others to be able to mentally go in here and be like, oh, what do I actually want to say? What am I feeling? And say the right thing that I need to say. Before I wouldn't say anything. <laughs> I would just be quiet because I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't feel like I needed to say anything because I was just a quiet kid. But it was through that that allowed me to open up, allowed me to make more friends or make friends in general. Um, it allowed me to find a, a, an outlet, a resource or something to utilize and build and grow and it's completely changed my life like dance for me is life and life is dance because from dance I learned many lessons and many experiences well the main experiences helped me in life through dance I don't think I would have traveled as much as I've traveled I've been able to travel to California New York Texas all around the Midwest uh, down south and soon, hopefully across the country. I started my own business. I teach on a regional basis throughout Dane County. I perform almost everywhere in Madison. What really did it after that was the TV show America's Best Dance Crew. I'm not oh, sure. If does you... that still come on? So they actually don't. They, they don't come recall on. that 
I want to say four years ago, they had their last season finale and they haven't had it any, they haven't had it anymore after since, ever since after that. But okay, yeah, I do remember that it show. It was that show that I was like, whoa, what? <laughs> what is this? This is a whole, people, wait, people do this here? Because back home, you're either, the main goals are, you know, you have your standards, stereotypical, become a doctor, become a, uh, a, a going, an engineer, uh, Nothing really art-focused in the sense where, oh, become a dancer or become an uh, entrepreneur and then make your own living from there. It was an idea of it. Well, I will say I feel like there's parallels to what you just described here um, in terms of, and I will say, well, because we're talking about the Black community and we're talking about the diaspora, right? I'm yes. talking about comparing the United States Black community and African community in Ghana. I think sometimes there are limitations placed on what's possible simply because you have not necessarily seen the other possibilities modeled for you. So thinking about students that may like graduating high school and thinking about what to do, it's like, oh, there's like, you can be a doctor, you can be a lawyer, you can be a this, you can be a that. All of those To say you things. want to be a dancer, right. someone might be like, well, how are you going to make money from that? Like, how is that, how is that a real quote unquote? How is that a job? A job, right. right. Where How is it, that a career? Right, like what it could be. But right. I think there's so many artistic lanes that when you think about the education system are not invested into, are not elevated as possibilities. So then you have these artistically inclined people who feel like they have to fit themselves into a box. Into a or, box or because a that's what's presented as optional. Right. right. And when you think about the black community specifically, there may be other like economic factors where you're like, you better make money because you have to do boom, boom, boom. Right absolutely further limitations may be applied. So I think it's like you uplifting that in Ghana. I'm like the same thing I have seen played out here. Yes. So it's so to me even empowering to hear your story that you've been able to carve a lane for yourself Thank where you. possibly one didn't like exist. Right, right, right. And yeah, you had a, a lot of stuff right there because first representation is key. In most of the studios that I've taught and just had the opportunity or experience to be in, there's not that representation there. It's not present where a young four-year African-American child is not gonna go to a studio or look at somebody, oh, I'm gonna become a dance teacher. Cause it's not there. You're not gonna see that many African-American instructors in these spaces just because of the system and how that goes about that. And that is, that's, 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 that's tough. That makes it really tough because Art is, is life. Like we make our, our living, everything that we do is art. Everything is art. This, this language we're speaking is art. This chair that we're sitting on is made out of art. This shirt that I'm wearing, the scarf, everything is art. So the fact that we don't put that much importance to it just blows my mind because instead we'll put more importance on, on, and even on food, we don't even put that much importance on food. Uh, the health, and that's like a whole nother thing as well right. too, where you're, you're purposely uh, feeding poison to people to keep them down. You're not providing the opportunities for right uh, uh, supplements or right uh, tools to be placed where you can actually reach that potential or see that potential. It's not even able to be reached upon because it's that's like no, that's not it's not option. You can either do this or do that. You can't do this. Why would you? What is that? No, you can't do that. And that might be by design. 
right? Like, so it's doing, the system is doing exactly what it was intended to do until there are people like you that are like, nope, that might have been the path that I was supposed to have taken, but actually I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Mm -hmm. And I feel like we, and at this point, I guess, like we have to be the ones to push ourselves to change that because the system is not going to do that. So having more individuals that are pushing that agenda saying, hey, okay, you want to be a musician. What does that look like? What do you have to do? Where do you have to go? Who do you need to meet? Who do you need to be around? The environment. I I always have have this philosophy that the environment is very, very important for specifically anybody, anybody. Growing up specifically with the right environment, that individual can amount to so much. But the system is made makes the environment difficult to unlock that potential or give you those keys to unlock that potential because they don't want you to do that. And that's, that's a problem. <laughs> that, that makes it so tough for people of color to even want to become a dancer or do anything that has to do with entrepreneurship or in the art field. It, t- it takes that idea out of the picture. Because then you have to think about only becoming a doctor. Right. There's nothing wrong with those things. Right, we need. This, we need doctors, we need nurses, we need right. engineers, we need, everyone has, a, everyone has a role that they can play or that they should be playing or that you're supposed to play. We all have a role that we're supposed to play. You just have to find that. But to find it, you need the right guidance, the right environment. And those build your perspective and your mindset, which goes into your experiences. And if you don't have the right environment and guidance, you're going to be lost. So how did you navigate that space? It sounds like America's best dance crew. Yes. Like sparked something in you. I remember the dudes with the masks the and the hoodies. There we go. I was like, the what were they called? Yes, I remember them from there. I follow them on Instagram now. But like, so that sparked something in you. Yes, yes. And you're like, I want to do this. So how did you navigate a space that you've acknowledged doesn't necessarily have the guidance and like the model laid out on how to do it, but you've managed to, to figure it out. So what what did that look like for you in carving out that lane for you? So that uh, summer going into my freshman year in high school, when I watched that TV show, I saw the Jabberwockies, Cabo Modern, Super Crew, and all these all these dance crews. And I was just like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> you like my people. <laughs> I want to meet you guys. <laughs> I'm going to audition for this wow. TV show one day. Mm-hmm. I'm going to I'm going to dance. I want to right. dance. I want to dance. And I started watching YouTube videos, tutorials, did what I could to try and start learning as many different dance styles, just watching a bunch and a bunch of videos. I I started teaching myself that way. And this is where me going into this community and culture and life was like whoa, this is also kind of messed up. <laughs> really? Why do you think that? So you have this idea that industry is better than street dance or studio is better than street dance. So like being professionally trained and going through certain pathways legitimizes you in this field. Yes. Whereas if you like just teach yourself. Right. That's, okay. not, that's not enough to a point because you have these standards or these requirements that they say is what makes you 
get you that, these opportunities to even teach or get the opportunities to get paid and whatnot. And most of the time, they, they require more studio uh, um, disciplines opposed to um, street disciplines, which in these studios, they would say they teach hip, teach hip hop, but not teaching hip hop. So I can imagine, making some assumptions here, that there might be some disparities present in terms of who is in which lane, because the quote unquote legitimate lane requires resources, right? It requires things to be able to, you got to pay for studio time, you have to pay for classes, you have to pay for training, you have to pay for degrees and all of that. Whereas if you're just at home doing just your doing, thing, right? That's not as, 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 that's something that you just do on your own time. That's for you. And that's actually uh, where I started also uh, seeing the differences uh, or like understanding more about the culture around this the, in the dance community, in the dance culture, where that's also divided right there. Because you have the industry that pretty much says, because it's the same thing. Dance is, it, at the end of the day, it's just dance. It's dance at the end of the day. That's all it is. Um, and you have a lot of things you can do with it. But what happened was with the culture of dance is that they set a standard saying that if you're a choreographer or you make choreography, that's better than somebody that can freestyle, which makes no sense. Because <laughs> if you're freestyling, you're making choreography. Right. And if you're making choreography, you're freestyling because you have to freestyle to make the choreography. I was going to ask, what's the difference? I mean, I get freestyle, you're coming up with it, but assuming right. that you can replicate what you just came up with, doesn't that then become choreography? choreography. Okay. Because choreography, in the, the, the uh, definition of it, is it's just an eight count. It's a rhythmic, it's rhythmic eight count, and it's, it's more theatrical, right? It's more theatrical in the sense where it's done with a group of people more than just one person. Because you have the idea of showing images and pictures that are with a, a larger group of body. You can see that clearer more than with one individual, which I'm like, okay, sure, sometimes I get that perspective, with, which can make sense. But I ran into a lot of issues with that um, after high school, where, okay, I'm like, I got all these opportunities to travel, perform, do this. I even got an opportunity to teach and stuff like that too. But when it got to the point where I was trying to teach in studios or trying to get, because I wanted to make this a career, I wanted to make a job. It was tough to go and teach in the studios because they said that you don't have any um, dance background. I'm like, what are you talking about? You're like, yes, I do. I've been dancing for like <laughs> four years, five right. years. I've been on America's Got Talent, America's Best. Like, what are you talking about? It's like, oh, you don't have any ballet, jazz, contemporary experience. You don't have any studio discipline. So, and that's one thing that in the dance community, I feel like now is is, is growing and changing a little bit more where that um, bridge is like, is, is, is coming together where people are starting to accept more on the other end and offer those opportunities. Because I remember in high school, there was a time where um, they wouldn't even allow, or not allow, but they it was tough to even go and take classes as an African-American or just a, free, a street uh, freestyle dancer. Because here, uh, trying to even get the opportunity to go take us go into a studio was just tough because you didn't have money. There's, the classes are expensive. If you don't have the if you don't have the resources, how are you going to get the opportunity? Exactly. So already that like separated. Right who off the bat, access. who has access, mm -hmm. who can actually get these opportunities to do that. And that made it 
that was another avenue I wanted to change here, where I, I wanted to make it more accessible and more affordable for the youth and people in the community to actually get those opportunities to go learn and see and experience it as well. And we've gotten better with doing that now. But before it was, it was just tough where you just, like, I remember going to these studios and we were the only people of color at these studios. It was just like, oh, and. I have had that experience in Madison too, where I went to an African dance class. And, it was, and I was the only black person in the right. entire class. And I was like. And it's, and they're teaching African dance. Right. That's and you what have kind of threw me. a non POC person teaching, and like teaching right. this. And I'm like, yeah. how would you know this? How would you know how to teach this? And so, okay, so I want to unpack that a little bit because I feel like that is like we're stepping to the terrain of exploitation, but I don't think that always reaches the levels that we might consider exploitative, right? Because there's one thing to be like globally connected. So one form of dance is not held by a particular group, right? Especially think of apps like TikTok, like there's like everybody's doing everything now. Everything now, yes. But then there's exploitation, which is a step beyond that, where there is now ownership applied, right, to something. You can correct me if there's a different definition that you work with. There's like ownership applied to a form that did not originate with that group, and where credit is not given to the originators. Um, So can you tell me about like what you've seen with that in the dance community, and maybe how you've actively tried to work against that, so that that credit is given where it is due. So. No, well, I'll say now, mm-hmm. but trials and tribulations, <laughs> uh-huh. it, it, it becomes cultural appropriation. That's what mm. it becomes. You're appropriating a culture and not giving credit to you. And you're skewing the idea of what this dance and culture is and giving the wrong representation of it. Because then I've had moments where... I'll have a dancer, a studio dancer, come up to me, some, or somebody that dances in the studio, and say that, or why they're watching me dancing, like, what are you doing? And I'm just like, it's like, what style is that? Like, are you, it's like, what, what is that? I'm like, I'm doing hip hop. It's like, no, that's not hip hop. But I'm like, what, what are you talking about? This is not hip hop. It's like, and they would try and show me a routine, and I'm like, but that's just a routine. That's like, where's the hip hop foundation? Where's, where's the, where's the foundation? Where's the fundamentals? Where's the style? Where's, where's you? Yeah. You're just showing me a, a routine, a move. You're showing me a move. Right. You're not showing me the dance. And that's tricky, right? Because in a sense, if other people are elevating like your craft, it's more visibility, more recognition. But then I think in doing that, it loses. It takes away from that culture because right. then people get confused of what it actually is to this day (laughs) to this day when i teach hip-hop i still get this to this day most of the parents when they're bringing their kids or when they're coming to these class hip-hop classes they're expecting and assuming a routine to a britney spears song ah okay because that's hip-hop that because that's hip-hop i'm like since when has britney spears been classified as a genre a hip-hop genre of music and that, at fa- best. And the fact that that's still going on now, but like it right. was worse before, <laughs> but like it's, it's getting better. But like the <laughs> fact that that's just even a thing right there, just it's like, yo, we need to fix that. Like, but nobody wants to talk about it because when it's brought up, they're like, no, we're not trying to, we're trying to help. We're trying to push the I- agenda. We're trying to get people to move and have fun and do this. It's like, yeah, have fun, do this, but educate them. If you're not given the right education and the right tools and resources, 
you're taking away from a culture. You're ripping it apart and dividing it more than it already is. Because if you think and look in the industry standard, it already is divided. It's divided saying that freestyle is not as good as choreography. So automatically, most people want to become a choreographer, which is not even a style. It's right. just a, it's a title right. or thing or or um, a tool that you can use to help your, your your dance. It's not a style, but they made it into a style. <laughs> They're making it into a style, or they'll call it urban dance, for example. Where it's like, well, why is it urban? Why don't you just call it what it is? <laughs> I feel like that term urban is thrown around, it's... and we know what it's supposed to mean. But it's like, but that completely denounces non-urban communities that still have a connection to that culture that right. is embedded within that form of dance. It makes it cultural so, appropriation right away. Yeah. It's like you don't need you automatically when you say urban, that tells me that you don't know what you're talking about. Wow. You don't know what you're talking about. Automatically, you're gonna call this urban dance. Like, why are you teaching this in the first place? And it goes back to that representation, that environment. If you're having not the, if you don't have the right representation with the right environment, with the right resources and tools, you're sending the wrong information that's going to, to the new generation that's going to be confused. And that comes back to the idea of understand history so that we can prepare for the future. If we don't know the history, we can't be present to move forward. And we'll keep tweaking it out how we want to so that we get what we want to to move forward but that's not we gotta stop doing that right because it also like very much excludes those who were the founders or like the originators of certain art forms and speaking of dance specifically from being able to be recognized for that if you're saying like nope that's not what it is it's actually this they're like actually that's not no. it either. <laughs> right. But then there's that. Right. So then you get to when you talk about representation, because they're being excluded, that representation then is not there. Um, and like we've said before, like it's going to reduce like the cultural integrity right. of that particular form of art. And it just it strips it of its authenticity and it makes it a trend. And that's what it's become where, yeah, it's accessible more now where anybody can dance. And that's great. That's the big, I want everybody to dance. I think dance is one of those things that, again, for me, it's, it's life. I've, I've learned so many lessons. I wouldn't be where I was without dance. And through dance, the lesson I've learned with my life is enriched my life. It's gotten me to the point where I, I am at. And maybe there are things that, I mean, I, I honestly, I can think back and be like, I don't think I regret as much. There are things that I would say I wanted, I would have done different, but I don't regret it because it's the experience that got me to this point Then I can realize that I'm like, oh, if I had done that different, I could have done this. But I would have never got to this point if I didn't go through that experience. So just that in itself, it's... it's it's so important. And my, my big thing with my company is uh, pushing history, teaching culture, teaching foundation, teaching our body awareness, teaching fundamentals, teaching things before you actually even get to the dance. Because they don't do that in the studios. That's, I don't know that many studios here, at least, that actually talks about history unless if you're talking about ballet 
right. they will do that. Right. But when it comes to hip hop, they're like, um, they expect it just to be a fun little dance thing that you can do for exercise. And like, again, there's nothing wrong with that. However, if you're not putting the, if you're not providing the value with it and only the variables, that's, that's cultural appropriation. Right. I think that is a challenge with black cultural art, art form specifically, because there isn't a quote unquote country of origin then that historical background is never elevated, even right. though we could trace the history could beyond this country and within right this country. It. But it's easy, like in taking African dance classes, there's a history that's talked about. Ballet, there's a history that's talked about. Jazz, I'm assuming tap. Jazz. Contemporary. Tap. What's the Russian dance? Like all the uh, different dances. All of them. <laughs> like yeah. have like a historical background right. that's talked about. But like you say with hip hop, that's not the case. And so they that's, never talk about it because they don't know the history of it. And they, they didn't... and. I want people to dance. I just, when it comes to education, you need the right people to do it. At the end of the day, just like, and we can, we can do a quick flip. Police, policing. We have bad apples, right? If you have the right cops, we can make things actually happen. But there's a lot of bad apples. so. This is the outcome of what happens when you have bad, have bad apples. In the dance scene, you have bad apples that don't care about what they're teaching. So it makes it tough to actually push that agenda to elevate, to actually grow and pursue and represent. Because it's not there. They're not, they don't talk about it. And it, it makes me so sad because you have the community in the cities you have people that do these styles, that live it, that travel, that battle, they compete, they, they, it's their career, but you're, you're, you're gonna miss that opportunity to say, no, we're gonna go over here and get somebody in the industry to come here and then teach us. And that individual, yeah, they're probably famous, they have money, are they part of the culture? I don't know. Are they part of the community? We don't know. But then people will listen to that person. People will think that's the representation. They'll think that's the culture. And that's not the culture. That's not, and it's not it. And then you, now you have, like the, the fact that, because when I, I teach in schools, um, I've taught in elementary, middle schools, and high schools, and, and some of the universities, and Barely do I hear people, uh, the youth saying they want to be a dance teacher. Ever. Because they don't see, they don't see right, that not being a possibility. A, a possibility. Mm -hmm. And even, um, back home before too, that's never a possibility. Maybe now it's changing. It's growing where it's become more acceptable. But just that in itself limits us. It takes away from what we can really become because it's us. We're the history. We are the ones that create, <laughs> we created these movements. There's a whole history of hip hop, but people don't want to listen to it. They don't want to, they want to listen to it, but they don't, they don't know how to teach it because they don't know it. If you don't know it, then do your research. So that definitely speaks to the importance of the work that you do, where you're not seeing um, forms of dance that are rooted in black culture as just a dance form that is 
does not have a, a historical backing to it that's important to emphasize, um, as well as the piece we've reiterated throughout this conversation that representation matters. Representation um, matters. So I guess I was interested briefly in your thoughts around the importance of art, mm. particularly within this moment that we're in historically, right? right we're in a, a social justice movement, for lack of a better term. And art has always played an important part um, in social justice movements and within Black-led social justice movements. So what do you see related to the work that you do as being like so crucial to this time that we're in? Um, and I'm also thinking of like quotes that float around like the Instagram quotables that say things like, I wish that people loved Black people as much as they love Black culture. So there might be people that would love to sign up for like a hip hop dance class but then would argue with you about why Black Lives Matter. So tell me about like the art piece to where we are now. Art, like I said in the beginning, is it's life. It's, it's part of our everyday, our day, very everyday living. And it should be, it should be something that we should take more pride in. We should make it more accessible. We should make it more um, available and more accepting. Because through, uh, through art, I mean, if we list the five elements of hip hop, automatically. There's five elements? Yeah, okay. You know? I did not know, go ahead. DJ, mm -hmm. MC, graffiti, b-boy, or breaking, or b-girl, knowledge. Main five elements of hip hop. You have more elements that goes into it. So those are the main five elements. DJ, music. Music is everything. <laughs> Frequency and vibrations. We're music. <laughs> we, we, can, we can sing to music and it's, it's all vibrations. We can sing to it because, and, and show so much through those different vibrations when we're present and aware and believe ourselves. And music also just speaks volume. It, it's a way for us, like because of that frequency, it's a way for us to hit specific emotions, hit specific frequencies and vibrations that can that vibrate us. Because that's we're we're multidimensional beings living a human experience. So if you go to that realm of what that is and connect that with music, music is literally like everything. <laughs> it's just the frequency. So. It speaks so many volumes and we can all relate to it in some way, shape or form. So I think that's another layer of talking about dance specifically within the climate and culture that we're in now, because yes, it's one medium to convey a message, but it's also a form of self-care where you're like, in this moment, I am free to express myself and I'm not focused on all the stuff right. that's coming at me, telling right. me who I am right. or how my life matters or does not, I can just be, right? I can so. just be, I can, I can be present, I can be accountable of my actions because what you, me doing this is my actions, not someone telling me, hey, wave your hand. I'm like, oh, I'm feeling this right here. Oh, I'm feeling that I have to do this because I'm feeling that way. So you look good even doing that. I was like, okay, I'm about to teach us <laughs> how to pop lock. But. Right, and that in itself, speaks so many so much volumes at least for me because you um in the, in the, at least in the dance world for me you can tell where a person's at in life by how they're dancing how they move the details 
the the execution, the connection that you can feel or receive from what they're doing. And that can tell a lot about an individual. And we tend to forget about that portion because we get so focused. And this is where like the TikTok and Instagram, again, great tools and resources, but we shouldn't let those be the main things that run those things. It should be something that we can use to help because when you go on these TikTok, again, it's not saying anything bad about them, <laughs> but like, I don't think it, it's a great way to feel cool for a little bit. It's a great way mm. to learn something fun mm -hmm. and engaging mm -hmm. and do something, do movement. Right. But then what do you do after that? You post it. <laughs> And, and then when people like it, and then when people <laughs> like it, or if people don't like it, now what? Now what do you do after that? If people like mm -hmm. it, you're gonna be like, oh yeah, you get the self boost, you get the confidence. Right. But if no one likes it, then you're like, oh, I'm trash. Mm. Oh, I'm terrible at dance. I should never. I should have never done it in the first place. Mm -hmm. And then you get those perspectives because then you have. And it's, then it, and it gets deeper where you have like the sense where what is cool to post, the moves is cool to post, and what is not. Because then you have the freestyle dancers like me that we post our videos, we won't get that many views. Opposed mm -hmm. to, say, you have a TikTok dancer like Charlie, who will get 9 million views from doing this. But if a freestyle dancer did this it and that, they're like, that's not the same thing. It's like, why? Mm -hmm. <laughs> then it, I mean, that just shows you the difference right there that that's not even trying to get the individual to dig deep. That's mm. just them carrying out emotion, carrying out an emotion, or carrying out a, a movement, or uh, or or motion, or move. Again, nothing wrong with that, but it's it's important to understand the depth of it because if you, you could just do this all day, but if I do this with feeling and motion and power, that gives a whole different image than just saying that. Or I'm like. That, that, I, I don't know what that meant to you guys, but for me, that was just me pushing the air to my heart to release. Mm. I could do this all day, but what is the purpose behind what you're doing? And that comes from the individual. And I feel like through dance more now, we, we're, we're forgetting about that part. Mm. We're, we're trying so hard to look cool or try and get these moves to get the acceptance that we're forgetting that we're already enough. Mm. We're trying so hard to do this, 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 and that to impress other people, mm -hmm. and we're not impressing ourselves. So with that, I feel like you might have just done the closing thing, but I wanted to just ask you, any closing, anything that you would want someone here in this conversation to take away from what you've shared? The biggest thing I want to say, a takeaway from anything we talked about, is to love yourself first. Lead with love and everything else will come. And what does that mean? And what does that look like? That's your own personal journey that you have to uncover. No one can tell you how to get to that point. You can have the environment, you can create the environment with the right guidance and resources and tools to push you to get to that decision. But you shouldn't, no one knows what you're going to do except you. And to get to that point, it's daily self-love, daily dedication, daily things that you have to do to just get to that point to love. And I think that's the biggest thing. Love is the biggest frequency that we should all be vibing 
off of right now because that's what connection is. And that's what life is about, connection. It's my world connecting to your world, connecting to their world, connecting to that world. And when we're able to connect our world together, because I'm a whole different, I'm a whole different being right here. You're a whole different being over there. If I'm able to be present and connect, that's love. And to get that love, that's daily, daily things that you have to do. I'll leave with this last thing. There's this crump. I, crump is one of my favorite dance styles right now. And it's the dance style that's changed my life more. And I thought dance changed my life in high school. Crump has changed my life these past four years. It's an acronym that I've been living by ever since I got into it. Crump stands for Kingdom, Radical, Uplifting, Mighty Praise. Crump, if you search Crump, it looks like a very um, aggressive, um, violent dance. It looks like it, but it, it's, it's not. It's, it has a lot of African roots and it's actually very spiritual. It actually is a, it's not Christian based, but it was created in the church <laughs> by Tidai Simiho. Shout out to Tidai Simiho. Miho. Okay. Um, but the idea of your kingdom, right? Kingdom radical uplifting my praise. Your kingdom is you, your being, your, your world. What does that mean? What does that look like? What does that feel like? What is involved in that? What, what's in and out of that? What are those? What is your kingdom? Who's part of your kingdom? How are you taking care of that kingdom? How are you building that kingdom? How are you growing that kingdom? And et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That's the first thing you have to do in life already, just in general. You have to take care of this. Because if this is not good, there's no way you can do other things outside of that. And the next step is radical. In the sense of, for me, radical can mean, radical can mean a lot of things, but for me, it's um, how I present myself to the outside world after I've gone into my kingdom. I can do radical things in the sense of, like, I could be, I could just jump right now and start dancing because I want to. That's my radical way of speaking from my kingdom. Or I could go up and go say hi to somebody across the street. I could, sh I could be sending that energy, right? And that, in turn, whatever that radical thing that you're going to do, it can uplift many people. The smallest gestures can change someone's day or year <laughs> forever. So kingdom, radical, uplifting, mighty. Mighty in the sense of power and strength, right? You get this uplifting energy from building your kingdom, doing radical things to bring positivity or just energy and light to give power or strength not only to yourself but to the other person that you're sharing or sending this energy to because that's the connection of our worlds right there and that might allows us to praise praising can mean anything it can be what you want it to be but you don't you won't know what that means if you don't do build your kingdom. If you don't do if you don't do these other things, you're not gonna know what that means. So uh, like the first thing that we're told is believe in yourself, love yourself. May I mean I'm not sure if we're all told that, but we should be told that more often. Love and believe in yourself, because that is how it starts. And that's how it pushes and that's how it grows and that's how it allows us to find ourselves and then allows to connect to other people. So yeah, that's, that's love. Yeah, love. I love talking to like artsy people because they like add so much to things. I'm like, oh. 
<laughs> and I, I did like a whole. <laughs> I know, like you, the way you all express yourself, like I absolutely love it. Thank you awesome. so much for that, Papa Kovina. Thank you so much, Angela. I appreciate it. Black culture fuels pop culture, and pop culture is widely shaped by art. That's why race matters when we talk about it. The innovation and creativity within the Black community have influenced countless artistic genres. But who's making money off of that creativity can be an issue. Black art should be enjoyed, it should be popular, and it should be monetized, but not at the expense of the artists responsible for creating it in the first place. For more info on why race matters, and to hear and watch other episodes, visit us online at pbswisconsin.org slash whyracematters. Funding for Why Race Matters is provided by Huna Mutual Group, Park Bank, Alliant Energy, Madison Museum of Contemporary Art, Focus Fund for Wisconsin Programming, and Friends of PBS Wisconsin.